Hello, one and all, and welcome to, or welcome back, I guess I should say, to the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, I am officially back. Took a nice little week vacation with a few friends to visit another friend off in the gorgeous state of Montana. Beautiful state. A lot of, lot of interesting wildlife to look at. Went down to Yellowstone and Wyoming, Wyoming, hiked up a mountain. Pretty exciting stuff. Got sunburnt to shit, got my arms completely toasted. That was down in Wyoming when we were at Yellowstone because I didn't know how much walking we were going to do and didn't really properly prepare for the amount of walking I was going to do by not applying any sunscreen whatsoever. My arms and neck and the, my calves and even my ankles were toasted. Like, they were beat red. Have you ever seen the Chicago Blackhawks uniforms? Have you ever seen... The Chicago Bulls uniforms or Manchester United uniforms or the Bills all-red alternate uniform. Yeah, that was my arms. Maybe a little darker than that. Maybe we're talking about Dowling Maroon red. Like, it was red to shit, and it hurt. But I have been sunburned many a times in my lifetime, and I have become some of an expert at dealing with sunburn. So I was pretty much, I'm not going to say 100% back to normal, but I was decently back to normal about a day afterwards. I was pretty much fine. I'm peeling like freaking crazy right now. My right arm is just insane. I, I, I've been brushing it because, you know, it's kind of fun to be annoying to your like family members, especially your immediate family members, like mom, dad, sister, brother, whatever you have, your dogs, cats, whatever. You brush a little bit on them just to remind them you're back from a nice vacation. It was fun. It was a very fun trip. Saw a lot of really cool things. Saw a lot of really cool wildlife. The only problem was other than getting sunburnt while over in Montana, was we didn't see a bear. And I say that because, like, oh, you're expected to see a bear. Montana's state animal is a freaking grizzly bear, or just a bear in general. Brown bear, grizzly bear, don't remember. But you expect to see a bear when you're there. And we were feet away from seeing a bear. So at Yellowstone, if you've never been to Yellowstone before, a lot of driving and a lot of lines, because people like to stop and look at the wildlife, as you do, because... You're looking at wildlife. Why would you not want to stop? You're not. You're looking at things you don't see normally. You don't see bison roaming around the cornfields in Iowa. I mean, you could go to Jester Park and see that, but not like that. There were herds and herds of bison just roaming around freely. We saw a lot of elk. We didn't see a moose, though. I was less. I was a little disappointed about not seeing a moose. More disappointed about seeing the bear because, again, feet away from a bear. We're in a line. Of traffic, we just saw this really cool herd of bison that were right next to the road, right next to the road. Like they, they could have, we could have reached our hands out and just petted one of them or pet one of them. So we're already we're off a, a high of seeing all those bison really close to the car. We drive up a little bit. It's like, oh, when you see a line at Yellowstone, you know there's some wild animal lurking around, and people are trying to look at it. So we drive up to this line, <laughs> and we're sitting there. My friend parks in the back seat. He's been talking about wanting to see a bear the entire time we were there. The entire trip, even before when we were flying out to my to Montana, he was like, I want to see a bear. I want to see a bear. And seeing a bear would be really cool. Outside of a zoo, I don't think I've ever seen a real bear. If I could think about it, but other than my dog bear, you know, of course, but a big grizzly bear. And we're like, oh, this could be it. Big line of people. This could be the grizzly bear. And we're waiting. And then we see these two people walking on the side of the road. They have their cameras out. 
and we roll down our windows and go, hey, what, what was that up there? Oh, it's a, it's a grizzly bear and her two cubs. It's like, oh, that's going to be so sweet. We got to get up there fast. I mean, we're, we're str- I mean, the line's not moving very fast. And then some absolute asshat, some absolute dickhead, douchebag, whatever you want to call him, decides, I'm tired of waiting. I saw the bear. Or he's honking at the bear. I don't know who he's honking. Either way, he honks his freaking horn and scares the bear away. Absolute freaking asshat, this guy. You're in Yellowstone National Park. The biggest, if not one of the biggest, national parks in the world. We are seeing a grizzly bear. And you decide to ruin the experience. We get you saw the grizzly bear. Oh, we got we got places to be. Where are you trying to go? Your whole point of going down to Yellowstone is looking at the wildlife. Looking at the bears, the bison, the elk, the moose, Old Faithful, all the other geysers, the sulfur pits, the mountains, whatever. You're there to see nature. You're not there to go super fast and go back to your place. We were there for 12 hours. Maybe about 10 hours, I guess. We were there from about noon to 10. We got back to my friend's apartment at midnight. You're there to look at wildlife. Why are you ruining the chance to look at wildlife for everybody else by honking your freaking horn? You know what's going to happen when you honk that horn. Maybe he's just a maybe he's just an all-around dickhead and he just likes to ruin things for everybody else. It's like I saw it. I'm tired of looking at it. No one else gets to look at it. Now I don't care how much he wanted to see it. So no bears were seen in Wyoming or in Montana or anywhere. We didn't see a single bear. It's like, man, our chance. We have a confirmed witness that has seen the bear, that has seen the two cubs, and is like it's right around the corner. We're about eight cars away, so we can't really see anything because, it's a, again, it's around a turn. And then you hear the honk, and then your heart drops to your stomach, and then the line speeds up. And then all of a sudden, there's no more line. Just like that. Absolute asshat. And I'm sorry for saying all these naughty words and stuff like that, but that's how you feel. You're there to see wildlife when you're with chance of seeing Something you haven't seen your entire trip. We saw a lot of bison. We saw a lot of elk. We saw deer. We saw ducks or magpies or birds. We saw everything. Not a bear or a moose. Moose I didn't really have a lot of high expectations for. But bear. State animal's a bear. And the one time we get close enough to see it. It's gone. It's taken away. But other than seeing the bear, or not seeing the bear, I guess, we saw a lot of cool water. We saw a cool waterfall down in Yellowstone. Sick view. For the waterfall, sold face, like has already said. Saw a lot of sulfur pits. Saw a lot of geysers. Really cool stuff. And watched a crap ton of hockey. Beautiful. Just sit back. Not have to worry about answering your stupid dispatch phone all day. And go, yeah. I can relax. And since we're in mountain time, you had the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens. And that's in mountain time. Vegas over in the mountain time zone. So it started at 7, ended right before 10. Instead of here, game starts at 8. You don't know when the game's going to go. Probably about 10, 30, 11. And you're tired. We're re- we ready to go. Can play some chill right after watching the Stanley Cup playoff game. And tonight, well, I guess you're already going to know what's happening. I hope and pray Montreal beats the Vegas Golden Knights. If you've known me for a certain number of times, I've talked about this quite a bit on the Logan Blackman show my roommate Kevin from William Penn, huge Knights fan. He's from Nevada, so de facto Knights fan. Became a Knights fan from when they first kicked off. 
I have hated the Knights since day one. Hated the Knights since day one. And now everybody else is kind of starting to come along on the train. They're like, jump on the Logan Blackman Show train and hate the Golden Knights. Hate the Golden Knights. Hate their disgusting uniforms. Hate Alex Petrangelo. Hate everything about that stupid team. Now, I have no real beef against Mark Stone or Max Pacioretty or any of those guys. But you play for the Knights. So screw you, dickheads. <laughs> Let's go, Montreal. Let's go, boys. Lynn Lovin watching this series. I loved watching the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the New York Islanders last night after watching the Islanders get smacked, and that's putting it lightly, 8-0 the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa Bay to bounce back and beat the Lightning in overtime was awesome to watch. And I'm excited to see what goes down in Tampa if the Islanders can continue the miraculous feat of coming back from 8-0 and winning a series like Vegas did, but 7-0. And Robin Leonard's starting again tonight. So we'll see how that goes for the Vegas Golden Knights. Hopefully, it does not bode well for them in Montreal. Get a huge win on home ice. I fear, though, for the city of Montreal and for the non-hockey fans of Montreal, which I know there's a, a very small minority of people up there in Montreal and just Canada in general do not like hockey, but there are some. We have people in the state of Iowa that don't like football. That's what we live for in the Midwest is football. We have people that don't like wrestling. That's what Iowa, <laughs> the University of Iowa is known for is wrestling. Yeah, people don't like wrestling. But man, once or if Montreal wins tonight, sending them to the Stanley Cup Final, hoping to end the curse of Canadian teams winning the Stanley Cup Final, Montreal's the last Canadian team to do so, that city is going to burn. And I know people from the outside looking in are going like, oh man, they're destroying their city. It's one of those situations where it's like, they don't really know what to do with themselves. You're kind of just celebrating and not really knowing what you're doing. Like the end of the Islanders versus Tampa Bay Lightning game where everybody's throwing beer cans on the ice. You don't know what you're doing. Your body's not really, you're not really taking in what you're doing. You're kind of just doing and then thinking later, which is not always a great mindset to have. But when your team wins, especially when your team has not won in a very long time, especially with your Canadians who are the most historic team in the NHL, you're going to act a lot of weird ways. Now, if they lose the series, same thing goes. But I think it'd be worse for Montreal in general. Do you guys remember watching when Vancouver got destroyed after they lost to the Boston Brewers in the Stanley Cup Final a few years ago? Or a while ago, I guess now. But dismantled. That city was obliterated, essentially. Montreal has a very rich winning history. If they don't get back to the Stanley Cup, I fear of what is going to happen to the city of Montreal. I know you're going to have the fears about who they win, if they win, if they lose. <laughs> Especially to Vegas, who's becoming one of the most hated teams in the show. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a little bit. And that city is going to burn. It's going to burn regardless, but would you rather burn happy or burn sad? Now, some people look at it like I'm burning regardless, but... You can look at it on the other side, too, or if you're burning happy or sad. So, let's go Canadians. Beat the Knights. Now, you guys already know what happens because the show gets recorded the day in advance and the game's happening tonight on June 24th. So, I don't know what's happening in the game. But I will be following it if the game starts 
which it already has started. We are a minute into the first period right now. I'm just going to be following up every once in a while on this game because it's going to be fun. Love this series. These two series, the Lightning and the Islanders and the Canadians and the Knights, two fantastic series. Just when you think, oh, that team looked really good. It looks like they're going to close out the series. Door shuts, i.e. Tampa Bay winning 8-0 and losing the very next game in overtime. Crazy stuff happening. Stanley Cup playoffs undoubtedly are the best postseason tournament in the world. Yes, I'm including the World Cup in that, and I love the World Cup. And we'll talk about the Euros in a little bit. The whole knockout stage will be starting soon, so get ready for that. And we'll be talking, yeah, we'll be doing a whole knockout preview. We'll be talking about what my predictions were, how they looked comparatively to what actually happened. We'll go over each group, stuff like that. Since we have not done a single show, to my recollection, since the tournament started. Because I think when the tournament started, I had uh, I had mouth surgery. So that was also why I was out for a little bit. I got the screw put in for my implant. We had the bone heal, we did the screw. So I didn't do a show right before we left for Montana either. So it's been a very long time. Since I've done a show. And I apologize for that because I know everybody is really down in the dumps when they don't get to hear a Logan Blackman show show. I'm sorry about that. Very sorry about that. But the Stanley Cup playoffs, man, if you've never watched the Stanley Cup playoffs, we're about to get to the final. Might as well start tuning in now. You're going to be able... Jeez. You're going to be able to watch the Lightning versus the Islanders. So make sure you watch that. Cause it's going to be awesome. Hopefully it's not another 8-0 drubbing like it was in game, in game 5. Hopefully it's not like that. Hopefully the Islanders can pull through. These are two sleeping giants right here versus two relative newbies to the NHL. The Lightning and the Vegas Golden Knights. The Lightning have won cups before, but they're relatively new. Not like the Canadians, one of the, one of the original six teams. Not like the Islanders, who had an insane dynasty in the 20th century. Like, these are two sleeping giants, and they're ready to be awoken, and I'm hoping that's what the Stanley Cup Final is, even though the Lightning holding up for the Central Division, (laughs) I guess, but no. Screw the Lightning, screw the Vegas Golden Knights, let's go Montreal, let's go Islanders. I also like the fact the Islanders play in Nassau Coliseum. Growing up, I remember Nassau Coliseum for the New York Dragons, the arena football team that was the Iowa Barnstormers before they moved there, and then the Barnstormers came back once the Dragons and the AFL. One of the many folds the AFL has had over its history. It feels like it's folded every other year, and now I think it's done. The last couple seasons, they had like four teams or something like that. Now the IFL, which is where the Barnstormers are now, is still kicking off. It has a decent number of teams now, but man, going to those AFL games, the Iowa Barnstormers, those were fun. And the New York Dragons were a fun team to watch. Aaron Garcia, one of the best arena football quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest quarterback of all time in arena football. Nick Davila will also be mentioned up there. Kurt Warner, obviously, will be mentioned up there. But Aaron Garcia was a freaking animal. For the New York Dragons, the Jacksonville Sharks, beast. Russ Mikna, uh, Matt Desario for the Chicago Rush. Chicago Rush were my favorite team before the Iowa Barnstormers. I know you didn't ask that, but... Just so I tell you, just so I tell you, but again, go Canadians, go Islanders. Hopefully that's the Stanley Cup we get because that's the Stanley Cup I want to see. Yes, and I saw a bracket 
the other day. This was FanDuel. I, I just took a screenshot of this from Instagram. Best turn, best trophy or, yeah, best sports trophy bracket. And Stanley Cup, rightfully so, being number one. The rest of the order, somewhat confusing, I guess. So number two, you have the green jacket, very historic trophy, very historic individual honor. Winning the Masters is insane. Uh, very historic tournament in general. The Lombardi Trophy, again, very historic. Been around forever, it feels like. Not really, but been around a long time. Then you have the College Football National Championship Trophy. The College Football Playoff National Championship Trophy is number four. Above the Larry O'Brien Trophy, the Commissioner's Trophy, and the FIFA World Cup. I don't care if it's above a WWE title. That's not... We're not discussing. That one is excluded from the conversation. I liked watching wrestling growing up, played the wrestling video games. It is not compared to the other trophies on here. The College Football National Championship Trophy has been around for, what, seven years? Comparatively to the World Cup, the Commissioner's Trophy, the Larry O'Brien Trophy. We're really putting... I know America runs on football, but really... We're putting the college football playoff, playoffs, we're talking about playoffs above the Commissioner's Trophy, the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and the World Cup. The one I have the biggest issue with is the World Cup being a seven seat. Soccer is the biggest sport in the world. Regardless if you hate it or love it, you cannot deny its impact worldwide. Soccer is the biggest sport in the world, not even close. So why is it number seven Behind a trophy that's been around for seven years. Because what, the first college football playoff was 2014? When Ohio State won it? And it's stupid! The college football playoff trophy is just stupid in general. We got the same four teams basically competing every single year. The playoff sucks. We all have known this from the start. People have complained about it ever since its inception. And it still stinks. Now they're talking about expanding it. It's never... No one's ever going to be happy. But this way sucks. It's the same four teams every single time. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Same four teams every friggin'. And then you'll have the odd Pac-12 team that goes in there. But what Pac-12 team's sneaking in there this year? USC? Maybe. Oregon? Doubtful. What other Pac-12 teams are going to be sneaking in there? The only reason I said USC is because Keen Slovis still plays. And we'll have a full quarterback comparison thing for the 2022 NFL Draft coming up very soon. I start working on it today. So make sure you're geez, sorry. looking out for that sometime in the near future. Don't have an exact date for that to be released yet, but that will be out soon. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But back to the original talking point. The FIFA World Cup, to me, I know in America, the Green Jacket and the Stanley Cup are the two biggest trophies in sports for Americans. The, the Super Bowl trophy, the Vince Lombardi trophy, up there as well. Those are the three biggest trophies in America. In the world, the World Cup. If we're talking about the best trophy in sports bracket, the one that means the most, because you're represented by your freaking country, would probably mean the World Cup. If we're being honest. Again, regardless if you like soccer or not, and I know there's a lot of losers out here that go, oh, soccer sucks. Soccer's for turf fairies. Oh, soccer's this, soccer's that. They flop. They flop less in soccer than in basketball. I can promise you that. Watch a basketball game and tell me they flop less than a soccer game. 
basketball kind of sucks nowadays anyways. I watched my first playoff game two days ago, the Suns versus the Clippers, when Cameron Payne, of all people, decided to go off. Basketball's boring now. I like now that they have four teams that haven't won anything in a very long time and watch ESPN squirm while they have the thought process of going to a small market. Oh, man. That's stupid. I've watched that clip and I was kind of upset by that. Really stupid comments. But ESPN's kind of going down the garbage chute anyways. I mean, not a lot of people... I don't watch ESPN outside of games. It's the only reason I really have ESPN anymore. I have an ESPN Plus account so I could watch UNI football this spring. Then I can watch the Euros so I can watch Sweden play. You just top the group. But again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Don't watch ESPN. Don't watch for the shows. They have no good commentary on there anymore. The shows are all stupid. Yeah, not surprised by the comments they made, especially on first take, but that's whatever. All in all, the World Cup is not a seven seed and is definitely not below the College World Playoff Trophy. And it's not one spot above a WWE title. No, <laughs> that's not even close. WWE title and a World Cup trophy are nowhere near each other. In different stratospheres. And the college football playoff trophy. Don't even get me... We've already discussed the college football playoff trophy. How dumb that trophy is. If anything, flip the FIFA World Cup and the college football playoff trophy. Then I'd be somewhat happy. The fact that it's a 7 and 1 spot above a WWE title. And... What? A four, <laughs> 3 spots below... A fa- a, a basically another fake trophy... Yeah, it's stupid. I would put it above... I mean, the, it's hard to put it above the Green Jack. Stanley Cup... I would like to put it one, just because of the historical impact of it. And how it's cherished around the world. I know in the United States, if it's not popular in the United States, it's not very popular. I know we have that mindset, because, you know, America's better than everybody have that mindset all the time because if we don't care about it, then why would anybody care about it? Stupid mindset to have. And that's this situation right here where we have the World Cup 7th as opposed to a top 2 place just above an actual fake trophy (laughs) and the WWE belt. But whatever. We'll talk about soccer here. Right now, we got the Euros going on right now. Not the same thing as the World Cup, but a soccer tournament nonetheless. A very exciting tournament that has just been a freaking joy to watch, as it always is. And for this, for those of you unaware, I did make a video on the Euros. So if you haven't gone see that, go and watch that. We're going to go over my predictions now. And it was on this website called Bracket Predictor. It was a Bracket Predictor thing from UEFA, which is a very nice website. One of the few things UEFA does very well <laughs> is make games for people. But probably the only thing they do well in FIFA in general. But you could go through this, and it'd give you like a point tally at the end. And I I think I did decently well. I feel the point tallies are a little harsh, because it's only... Ex- you, if you got it exactly right, that's the only way they'll count a point for you, is if you got it exactly right. I got very close on every prediction. I got one spot away from every single prediction I made. One spot. I had no teams two spots away from each other. Like, if I had a prediction where a team came second, they didn't come fourth. If they predicted second, they came third. That's, I was very, I was pretty accurate in this. And then the knockout stage thing was that's, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Group A, 
The final standings went Italy, Wales, Switzerland, and Turkey. Turkey were one of those weird teams where they are getting really hyped up for the tournament. I was really, really confused about that. I had a lot of questions surrounding them. I didn't know where goals were going to come from. Because Yilmaz was back in the team. But again, like we said in the video, or I can't remember we said in the video or the show. It's been a while since I've done either. But if Yilmaz didn't win the league with Lille, would he have even been in the team? And they got a couple nice center backs back there. And Hakan Chalinoglu is there as well. But they use him completely out of position. He's not a left winger. He's a number 10. He's completely isolated on the left side of the field and not used. He's one of the best set-piece takers, one of the best crossers, one of the best chance creators in the world. And you're putting him on an island on left wing, rendering him useless. <laughs> Makes him very easy to stop. He's not a very fast player. He's a very slow, methodical player that can put a ball anywhere on the field. Putting him at left wing is not doing anything. It's the same problem the United States has when they put Christian Pulisic on left wing instead of playing him as a number 10 or number 8, which we've talked about that before. But useless. They scored one goal the entire tournament, allowed 8. Didn't I had a lot of questions about their goalie. The only thing I didn't have a question about was their center back partnership. Everywhere else <laughs> was question mark. And they got zero points. I was shocked to see how many people were backing them to be a dark horse candidate and how many people were having them go even like second in the group. Because if you thought they would win the group, that was just stupid. You didn't. If you thought that, I'm sorry, can't fix stupid. Because Italy is on a crazy tear right now where they're just not allowing any goals. Seven goals scored, zero allowed, crushed Turkey in the second game of the tournament, or first game of the tournament, the very first game of the tournament. 3-0, crushed Switzerland 3-0, and then a nice coasting game against Wales. Killed Turkey and Switzerland. And then Switzerland put Turkey to the sword in their last game, beating them 3-1. Like, who? I, I, don't, I don't understand what the hype around Turkey was, other than this is a team that has two nice players. That, that was really it. I didn't really understand anything that was really going on with that. I had Switzerland come in second. They came third. They, them and Wales had the same point total. Wales just had a plus one goal difference. I was hoping Italy would score two more because then I think Switzerland would have been able to top them. And Switzerland should feel hard done by getting a draw against Wales. But Danny Ward played very, uh, as using a hockey term, he stood on his head in that game against Switzerland. And Wales got a nice little goal, nice equalizer in the 74th minute. And now they finished second. So my prediction was Italy, Switzerland, Wales, Turkey. How I actually finished, Italy, Wales, Switzerland, Turkey. So I got two points for that group. Group B, this one got saved on the last day. Uh, with Switzerland, with Denmark absolutely obliterating Russia 4-1. Belgium, unsurprisingly, finished top of the group. I mean, really easy group for them. We didn't do a show after the Christian Eriksen thing. Because, again, had the surgery. But... That is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I mowed my aunt and uncle's yard, go inside. About five minutes later, five or so minutes later, that situation took place. No idea what was going on. It was the first time I've ever seen it live. I've seen it happen, but not actually live. Like, Daily Blind collapsed in a game a few years ago when he was playing for Ajax. There's been a couple other big profile events where a player has just gone unconscious and had cardiac arrest or gone through cardiac arrest or heart attack, whatever you want to call it. And it was scary. 
and I'm glad they called the game. And I'm, it's frustrating to watch these because people are drawn naturally to chaos. If it's not supposed to happen, we're drawn to it. It's like a crash in NASCAR. Like, people go, oh, NASCAR's boring outside the wrecks. Those are exciting. So when a player gets hurt, play, people are drawn to it. We want our camera's suction cup to it. You see Joe Theismann's leg break. You know how many replays they showed of that thing? Especially since replay was just becoming a thing. The fact that these cameras were plastered on Christian Erickson, lifeless body, actually lifeless body, is ridiculous to think about. And I'm loving Simone Kiar, who we talked about in the preview video. Great captain. Excellent captain. Made a wall around the team, pulled Christian Erickson's tongue out of his mouth, make sure he wasn't swallowing it, comforted his wife. That's what a captain is supposed to do. Everything you want your captain to be, show them what Simone Kiar did for Denmark against Finland. And I... I mean, the game was going to have to be played regardless, which is kind of sad in its own right. Denmark was not mentally there. And of course, they lost the game 1-0. They were, they were not there. They were in a different stratosphere. Their minds were rightfully in another place. You can't expect... That's a very... You just saw a per, your friend, your teammate, collapse on the field and was dead. Like, actually dead. He was lifeless. And they had to bring him back. Thankfully, Christian Eriksen is alive and healthy. I don't know if he'll ever kick a ball again or play in a professional soccer game again. One of the best players to watch in the world on his day. Love Christian Eriksen. But Denmark, credit to them. This is a situation that is not easy to get over. Especially player, even players like on Belgium. A lot of players on that team have played with Christian Eriksen. You've got Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen playing with them on Tottenham. Romelu Lukaku is playing with them right now in Italy. There's a few more players that I can't think of on their team right now that have played with Christian Eriksen. This is not just a random person. This is a friend, a teammate. Like this, this shouldn't, especially when you're a professional athlete, this is not supposed to happen. Which is another reason why the cameras were suction cupped to Christian Eriksen. Which again is stupid. And I hated that fact, but that's the reality of it. I hate that they did that, but they kept doing it. And it was stupid to watch, and I'm glad he's all right and healthy. Healthy enough, I guess. He, he's alive. That's the important thing here. Never want to see that, but credit to Denmark rallying the troops, finishing second in this group, which is what I thought they would do anyways, but under completely different circumstances. I don't know if this team makes it to the last the, the semifinals of the Euros like I predicted them to, because their, their minds are going to be somewhere different. Now, it would be really cool and a really good story if that were to happen. I just think it's very unlikely because of how important Christian Eriksen was to that team. But yeah, second place in the group, getting an awesome 4-1 win against Russia in the last day of the, the group stage. Beautiful. Finland, if, Christian, if that thing doesn't happen, if Denmark plays the game the next day, I think Finland loses that game because... They're not better than Denmark. And they didn't finish above Denmark, but they should never beat Denmark. Denmark's minds were in a completely different place at that time. And you can't expect them to go out and perform at an extremely high level. That's just the nature of it. And, yeah. Hope Denmark goes far, because that'd be really cool to see them go far. But Russia, I had them finishing third. They came last, allowed seven goals in the tournament, a minus five goal difference that last game against Denmark. 
did them no favors. But they came last. I had them coming third. Finland last. They came third. Finland hadn't won a game since November. So you can, you can see where my logic was coming of them coming in last. But yeah, close on that one as well. Group C, 100% right. Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, North Macedonia. Easy, got it exactly right. Netherlands goes through on nine points. Fairly easy. They had a little bit of a struggle against Ukraine. Should have done a lot better in that game than what they did. They kind of let their foot off the gas and allowed Ukraine to come back in the game. Two worldy goals that came out of absolutely nowhere. Yarmolenko's goal, beautiful goal. That's what he can do. Extremely lazy player, but when he has the ball on his left foot and can cut in, that's what you get from him. Great player when he does that. If you have him do other things around the field, not necessarily. He kind of becomes invisible at times. But got it 100% right. Yeah. Netherlands winning the group was fairly easy. Ukraine, I didn't even really have to think twice about that group, to be honest. That was kind of pretty easy. Group D, same thing. 100% again. England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. Much like Denmark in Group B, Croatia had to win on the last day of the tournament, or last day of the group, to finish second. But they did. Had Croatia coming in second in that. England has not played great, but they've done enough. They did not allow a single goal in the tournament so far. They won their first game of the tournament for the first time since 66, I believe, or ever. I don't think... It's some weird statistic where they either haven't won their first game in a tournament ever, or it's been a very long time since they've won their first game in a tournament. Haven't looked great this tournament. They scored two goals, both Raheem Sterling goals. I don't know. It's weird, because this team's really good. Jordan Pickford's played pretty well. The back line's played pretty well. Harry Kane's been invisible, pretty much, this tournament. I don't know if there's health issues, or if he's got his mind set on Man City, or what. But he doesn't look right. England doesn't look really right. I mean, two goals the entire tournament. And Scotland, coming in fourth, that's not a real representation of how good Scotland was in this tournament. I know they scored one goal and allowed five. Scotland played with a lot of heart in this tournament and looked very, very good. In a game against England where they were expected to get blown out of the water, they got a draw. Massive game for Scotland. Played with a lot of heart. None of these games, the loss against Czech Republic and the loss against Croatia, should not be indicative of how you look at Scotland when they lost 2-0 and 3-1. That's not how you should look at Scotland's tournament. They played really hard. This was not a great team. But they played with a lot of heart. A lot of heart. Their two best players are left backs. Two good left backs, but didn't have a lot of attack going, a lot of firepower going forward. Had a good midfield with the likes of John McGinn, Scott McTominay, who ended up playing center back for him. But yeah, coming in last was an easy prediction, but they, de- they didn't deserve to come last, if that makes any sense. Even though they, they came last, and Czech Republic and Croatia were both better than them, in any other group, I don't think they deserve to come last. Like Group E, I think they could have come in third. <laughs> come in third in this group in Group E: Slovakia, Poland, third and fourth. Sweden finished top. Like I said, could happen. Remember what we talked about during the preview? I don't know if I said this during the video. I think I did it during a show. The only li- winner of the group that I could see flipping around was Portugal, France, and Sweden, Spain. If Sweden got a result against Spain, they could win the group. Because it's the same thing that happened in 2018. I don't know why people are so hyped about Zlatan's not in the team. Sweden can't be that good. They didn't have Zlatan in 2018. This is a better Sweden team than in 2018. 
what was why did we not think this team could be better? Especially against a really weird Spain squad, which we talked about in the video, and a Poland team that's so reliant on Robert Lewandowski, they can't do anything unless you shut him down. <laughs> if you don't, if you shut down Robert Lewandowski, no matter how good he is, because he's the best striker in the world at the moment, they're done. And it was the same thing that happened to Sweden in Euro 2016. Same thing that happened to Poland here. You shut down Robert Lewandowski, you shut down Poland. You shut down Zlatan when he was playing for Sweden, you shut down Sweden. Look how good they've been without Zlatan. They're a team. This is a complete cohesive unit, not just reliant on one sole player, which is what Poland is, what Sweden was. Emil Forsberg, baller. He's proven why he's Sweden's best player. Uh, Alexander Izak, even though he has not scored a goal, has played awesome for Sweden. You look at his link-up play, his runs that he's made for Sweden, how his ball control has been so good. He's been, those two, Forsberg and Izak, have been Sweden's best two players. And I'm excited to see Dejan Kulisevsky play in the next game, in the knockout stage for Sweden. He had COVID when the tournament started. He got his first bit of action against Poland and got an assist out of it. So, I'm expecting a lot from him. I'm expect, I'm really excited to see what he can do because he's a very talented player. One of Sweden's best players. And they even had him until the last game. And they still were very good. And that Spain game... People are looking at that really weird, like Spain dominated possession. Spain had no threat. They were no threat. I got a Snapchat from my friend Brady that game. Said, oh, is Logan scared? No. This is what Sweden plays. Sweden is a defense first team that will sit back comfortably. They are not phased by a team passing the ball around them and they're not doing anything. Spain did absolutely nothing. Sweden had two shots or two chances the entire game, and both of them were better than Spain's chances. Spain did absolutely not. It was called, this is what you call wasted possession. Oh, you had a huge number of passes. You had a huge number of possession. What'd you do with it? Absolutely nothing. And that's why Sweden came out with a draw. And everybody was looking at it like Spain absolutely killed them. No, Sweden didn't do anything. They let them pass the ball. Sweden was like, sure, pass it. We don't care. Our foundation is built on a solid defense. The back line, other than Danielson, who came in for Grandquist because he's too old, is the exact same from 2018. Lustig, Lindelof, Augustinson, Robin Olsen. The, co the cogs in that defense are still there. This is basically the same team, but with better players <laughs> from 2018. John Guidetti, Oyla Toivonen, gone. Kwaison, Alexander Izak. Dejan Kulisevsky, in. Much better players. And we were surprised Sweden came... Not only did they not come in second, we're surprised they came first. This is not hard for Sweden. They came in a group, top of a group that had Germany, Mexico, and South Korea in it, and cruised through the group. Other than a Tony Cruz goal, they would have gone through with nine points. Or whatever, I can't even remember what they did. <laughs> I think they finished with set with six points, but whatever. Yeah. Wasn't worried about Spain at all that entire game. Knew what Poland would do. It, it, this group, realistically, came out to what I said could happen. Poland becomes too reliant on Robert Lewandowski. Sweden's got a very nice team. If they can get a draw or win against Spain, they'll win the group. That's what happened. Spain does not have a great team. I'm really weirded out by Unai Simon being the goalkeeper there, but he hasn't done anything really wrong this tournament so far. 
And Spain put Slovakia to the freaking sword. And they did absolutely no favors for themselves. They can't score penalties. That's something we found out they can't do. Gerard Moreno, Alvaro Morata have both missed penalties. They missed their last five penalties. So if they get a penalty shootout, I would not bet my money on Spain. Just a, something in the air tells me if you missed the last five penalties, I'm not really feeling comfortable betting on you for a penalty shootout where you're going to have to probably take five penalties. Now, if they go 0 for 5 in a penalty shootout, which wouldn't happen, the max he could probably go is 3, but imagine going 0 for 10. 10 straight penalties missed. That would be freaking crazy. But Slovakia got a win against Poland, which was kind of surprising, but yeah. Not surprised by how this group finished at all. Not surprised. I know I used to, you'd probably think I should be, but I've said all of this could happen in my preview and on a show we did right after the preview came out. Not surprised whatsoever. Congrats to Sweden winning the group. And then Group F, uh, France winning the group. Not surprising. Uh, even though they came in five points, they wouldn't have topped any other group in this tournament. It's because they were in the hardest group. Not hard to figure that out. Like, oh, they finished on five points. Oh, France must not be very good. That's not. That's the lowest out of any team that finished top of their group. Yeah, you're in a group with Portugal and Germany. I don't, I don't think that's a big... There's a pretty big ask to finish with nine points or seven points or eight points in that group, but finish top nonetheless. Germany killed Portugal. I have a little more concern about Portugal now than I did when the tournament started because of that game against Germany. Germany finished second, Portugal third, Hungary fourth. So I got France and Hungary right. I mean, didn't take a brainiac to figure out Hungary was going to finish last in that group. Came close. Almost knocked Germany out. Germany had to come back against Hungary in the last game of the dirt, the tournament. But man, France, yeah, not too concerned about what's going on there. I mean, finishing first in a tough group. Germany played good at times, especially against France or against Portugal. Portugal looked very shaky at times. I'm a little more concerned for them now, especially since they had to go against Belgium in the first round of the knockout stage. So time will tell on that, but... In the third place qualifiers, I got I had Poland, Germany, Czech Republic, and Wales. Technically, all the teams I've had advance, advanced, except for Poland. Like every single team I said would advance, advanced. I had Italy advancing, Switzerland, Wales, Belgium, Denmark, Netherlands, Austria. Now I didn't have Ukraine. That was my one team I didn't have advancing. They had England, Croatia, Czech Republic advancing. I had Sweden, Spain, and Poland. And then France, Portugal, Germany. So realistically, I got one team wrong in the uh, the knockout stage. I know it's technically, technicalities. I mean, it's wrong still because we didn't have them finishing third. And that's would change the completely, change the knockout stage completely. Like, again, we had Germany in this group facing the Netherlands first game. They're playing England now. Portugal, we had them playing England first round. They're playing freaking Belgium because Poland didn't make it. So... On a, out of how many teams missed the knockout stage in a certain order, that would change the complexion of the thing insanely. Now, if I were to do this again, I would definitely have had Sweden beat Croatia because that was my gut when the tournament was starting and I ended up going with Croatia. I feel more comfortable watching Sweden than I do Croatia at this point in time, and I should have just gone with my gut there. I mean, it still would have been wrong. Sweden and Croatia aren't playing each other, but man, I would have had Sweden do that. So for the knockout stages for this tournament, oh, and I got 15 out of 49 possible, 
which I think is still decently close. I got 45 points in the group. But again, came close on a lot of them. If I just flipped some around, like Switzerland, Wales, flip those two. Russia, Finland, flip those two. Uh, Spain, Sweden, flip those two. Poland, Slovakia, flip those two. Portugal, France, flip those two. Like, we're close. We're very close. And if I did that, I would have picked Ukraine because I wouldn't have picked Slovakia to come in third. I, that was probably the one that I was pretty confident in that they wouldn't finish third, but they did. Got a really weird result against Poland. I'll, I'll lay on my sword for that one. I, I, I don't know. That was one I was pretty confident. But here's the knockout stage, officially the knockout stage. We have Belgium versus Portugal, Italy, Austria, France, Switzerland, Croatia, Spain, Sweden, Ukraine, England, Germany, Netherlands, Czech Republic, and Wales, and Denmark. Ooh. Now, I'm going to skip a couple games first. Like, we'll go Italy beating Austria, France beating Switzerland, uh, Sweden beating Ukraine. We'll go Netherlands beating the Czech Republic. So we've got four games figured out. The rest of them, I'd like to do a little deeper dive in the tournament. So Belgium, Portugal, insane game. Absolutely insane game. Now, Belgium has looked really good. Portugal has not. But Belgium's group, comparatively, <laughs> is a lot worse than Portugal's group. Three of the last three tournament champions are in Fran were in Portugal's group. France, Germany, Portugal. Three of the last three international tournaments in Europe that European countries compete in, they're all in. The last two World Cups and the last Euros. Portugal's group was tough. Belgium had Finland. <laughs> And Russia, an aging group that overachieved at the World Cup. Very aging group. Easy, <laughs> comparatively, to Portugal's group. Croatia, Spain, uh, neither team literally looked that good. I think Spain's going to go into the knockout stage feeling very confident, coming off a massive demolition against Czechoslovakia, or against, uh, I guess, yeah, Slovakia. Croatia has not looked great. Looked very slow at times. Very weird in attack. I am going to go with Spain over Croatia in that game. It's tough. Because I love Luka Modric. I really like Perisic. But hopefully Spain, for their for their attack, hopefully that was the one that kicked them in the ass. And they go, oh, this is how you score goals. Hopefully they don't have a penalty and hopefully it just doesn't go to a shootout. Because I fear it for Spain. Now they haven't faced a penalty my recollection, so I don't know if Unai Simon is going to save a lot of penalties. Maybe he saves five. I don't know. But yeah, I feel more comfortable with Spain going through over Croatia. The last game was very telling for Spain. I know neither Croatia or Spain played incredibly tough teams, Scotland and, and Slovakia. But I think Spain might have a little too much. I feel more comfortable in their back line than I do in Croatia's back line. Midfields, Croatia has the upper hand on that one. In the attack, I'd probably say Spain. Even though neither one of them have had very great attacks, I trust Gerard Moreno and I trust Alvaro Morata, weirdly enough, more than whoever Croatia throws up at top. I like Antti Rebic, but I don't really have a lot of confidence in him in this game. I think Spain will do the same thing they do every single year, pass the ball around. Hopefully they don't get beat on the counterattack. The benefit for them against Croatia, Croatia's not a very fast team. They're really old. Perisic is really the only one you have to really be concerned about on the counterattack. Basalic, or Pasalic, however you say his last name, played for Chelsea. Now he thinks he's at Atalanta, whatever. 
He's another one you have to look out for a little bit. Obviously, Modric, the former Ballon d'Or winner, great player, can play a pass anywhere he wants to. We had a wonder strike against Scotland. But yeah, I'm going to go with Spain over Croatia. Wales, Denmark. I would love to see Denmark go through because I really like Denmark. Hopefully, their spirit's built up again. I mean, they're going to be very motivated going through this tournament. Do they beat Wales? Do they have enough quality to beat Wales? I'm going to go with my gut and go with Denmark. I think their mindset has flipped a little bit. Because obviously, they're, like we said earlier, their, brain, their minds were completely somewhere else against Finland. And then they came up against a buzzsaw known as Belgium in the next game. So it's a little unfair for them. They kind of got two games back-to-back that weren't really in their favor. If it was... A normal, if it was normal circumstances against Finland, I have no doubt they would have beat Finland like 2 nothing. But playing Finland on those circumstances and then playing the number one ranked team in the world according to the FIFA World Rankings, that's tough. They came out against Russia. Hopefully that motivation and that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That they keep momentum going into the knockout stages to beat Wales. I like Wales. I like Gareth Bale. But it's going to be close. It's going to be very, very close. I think Denmark has enough quality, though, even though they're without Christian Eriksen to beat Wales in that game. And then the two toughest games of the knockout stage. I didn't even talk about this one. <laughs> England and Germany. I was watching a show. If you ever watch the kickoff on YouTube, it's got True Jordy. Uh, Lawrence, I can't remember his last name. Rory, Chelsea Rory. They were talking about the teams they were going to play. Because England had to win this group, regardless if you're going to get matched up. But you're going to get a, ma- a tough matchup if England won this group. It was inevitable. But you got to win the group. Especially at home. You get to keep home field advantage if you won the group, which they did. But the team they were worried about on the kickoff, it's a British soccer slash football watching show. They were more worried about Germany than they were Portugal. In France. Well, not France, because they were worried about France, because France is the best team in the world still. Regardless of how do you think they looked throughout the tournament, they were in a really tough group. Doesn't matter. Germany is so weird. How do you judge what Germany did? They lost the first game against France, which is much expected. That was expected of them to happen. Then they killed Portugal, attacked their backs, and just slaughtered them. And their two first goals were own goals? Like, I did not see that coming at all. I thought it'd be another draw, or a draw, in that game. And it wasn't. Germany killed them. It was as simple as that. Killed them. Portugal, been somewhat favorable. or some. They've gotten a lot of penalties. Let's just say that. And Ronaldo, as Ronaldo does, scored them. Crazy thing, he's as old as he is and still scoring goals for fun. But then England haven't looked good this entire tournament. They've scored two freaking goals. Germany scored four against Portugal, who, in my opinion, even though they're below England in the rankings, are a better team than the English. Even though they weren't playing very good as a unit. Midfield was kind of suspect at time. Bruno Fernandes had not had the greatest tournament to this point. Ronaldo's been Ronaldo, and their back line's been very weird. Losing João Cancelo was big. Nelson Semedo, a huge drop-off from Cancelo. Pretty disappointing, I guess you would say, from Portugal. They, I would expect them to look better, even though they, again, they played in a really tough group. But I didn't think they'd get beat, like, destroyed 
Speed's putting it nicely. They got utterly dismantled against Germany. 4-2. And then Germany, in their last game, had to just barely squeak through on a draw with Hungary. Fair play to Hungary for playing out of your minds in that game. But Germany, you should not... There, there should be no chance you even come close to losing to Hungary. Oh, no, I know this is... <laughs> I hate when people say this, but... Even though I just said something disrespectful, no disrespect, Germany should have won that game easily. And they underperformed. That's what I'm concerned about. I don't know which Germany we're going to get. The one that lost to France, the one that killed Portugal, or the one that squeaked through against Hungary. Which Germany team are we going to get? And which English team are we going to get? Is England going to actually have some sort of an attack? They don't historically have not played very well against Germany. Got battered in the 2010 World Cup. Controversial on how that battering took place, but battered nonetheless. Like they're fish. Battered and delicious next to a side of chips. I don't know. Sorry. That's a tough game. I don't know what you're going to get from either one of these teams, to be 100% honest with you. I think, oh, jeez. Because you look at Germany, you've got players like Joshua Kimmich, Tony Cruz, Ilkay Gundogan, Thomas Muller, who didn't start the last game, but Kai Havertz, Serge Nabry. Goosens has been on another level this tournament so far. Their back line has been interesting. I guess Hummels has had a very interesting tournament so far. Neuer is still Neuer. Even though he had a down year a few years ago, he's still, still Manuel Neuer. England, their back line is not allowed a single goal. Haven't, allowed to face, haven't really faced the best set of strikers in the world. I mean, Che Adams, Patrick Stick, Antti Rebic. Like, these are not world beaters at striker. They're not even close to being le- world-level players yet. I like Patrick Stick, but in this tournament, I hope he doesn't get... Well, I don't want to rule it out because he could actually ball out of this tournament. This could be a nice stepping stone. But he's been talked about forever. He's been linked with moves forever. He moved to Roma. He was going to go to Juventus, went to Roma instead. I think he's at RB Leipzig right now, or he's on loan at RB Leipzig or something. But England has not really faced likes of Serge Gnabry, Kai Havertz, Tony Cruz, Joshua Kimmich. They haven't faced a goalie. Look at the goalies in that group. Jordan Pickford's the best one. That's not saying a lot. Jordan Pickford's the best goalie England have, but comparatively to the rest of the world, is he that much better? Is he that good? Weak, weak group for goalies and strikers. So you can say it like that. England should have scored goals and allowed none. I don't know what English team we're going to get. I am going to go with Germany, though. Just because England does not have a big, hit, nice history against Germany. I'm, ba- I'm trying to talk myself into one of them. I don't feel comfortable pinging either one of these things. But this is what my gut says, is that England disappoint, get knocked out by Germany in this round. Just my gut feeling at this point in time. And then Belgium-Portugal, I'm going to go with Belgium over Portugal, which hurts because I really like the Portuguese national team. I like Ronaldo. I like Bruno Fernandes. But it, <laughs> this is not a good matchup for Portugal, is it? The team they got ran off the field by runs a back three and three forwards. The exact same system that Belgium runs. Back three with three, four midfielders and three forwards. But better play. <laughs> they don't have a Romelu Lukaku on the German national team. 
The only striker they really they have two strikers really, Kevin Voland and Timo Werner. Serge Gnabry's playing as a false nine, which is what Germany does. They've done that for ever since Joachim Love's pretty much been the the manager, other than like Miroslav Klose, but. Thomas Muller played striker for a lot. Mario Goetze played striker for quite a bit. You have these false nines in Germany's system. They don't have players like Romelu Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne. And Belden's back line and goalie, I get Ah, uh, well, goalie's close. At this point in time, who would you say is better? Thibaut Courtois or Manuel Neuer? It's very close. I would say it's very close. I'm going to go with Belgium. After what my opinion of Portugal completely changed after watching them against Germany. They got absolutely destroyed. Not even close. Throughout that entire game. Not even close. Terrible game for the Portuguese, and I think that might mess them up for the rest of the tournament. Now, here's the rest of the knock. We got the quarterfinals now. Italy versus Belgium, France, Spain, Sweden, Germany, and Netherlands v Denmark. Now, this Italy-Belgium one is a very, very interesting result because Italy has not allowed a goal in a very, very long time. But similarly to Portugal, where they got played off the field against Germany, you haven't played a group of attacking players like Belgium. Like, people are talking about how crazy this run is for Spain not, or Italy not allowing a single goal. And it is impressive. Like allowing, They haven't allowed a goal since when? October of 2020. But here's the strikers they have faced, or the teams they have faced. Wales, Switzerland, Turkey, that's them in the Euros. The Czech Republic, San Marino, Lithuania, Bulgaria, Northern Ireland, Bosnia, Poland, and Estonia. Now, I know Poland has got Robert Lewandowski. I don't know if he played this game or not, because there are games where top internationals don't play because they want to get rest or just don't play. I don't know. I'm going to look at the match report because it'll change my opinion a tiny bit. Either way, if Robert Lewandowski played or not, <laughs> you haven't played a murderer's row of strikers here. It's been a pretty easy, easy run of things in regards to the strikers you have faced. Now, of course, there's no starting lineup that I can even look at, which is just, you know, perfect. Are going to show me anything? This is stupid. I'm trying to look at this to see if Poland played Robert Lewandowski. I don't know if he did or not. So I'm trying to scroll down all the way to get you proper information. Because if he didn't play, that changes things quite, quite a bit. Trying to find it a little bit. Where's the starting lineups? Poland. Okay. There was one thing that was close to telling me a starting lineup. I'm d I'm this is disappointing. Okay, Robert Lewandowski did play. So that kind of changes things, but again, you didn't play a lot of big strikers. You didn't play Aronlu Lukaku in this massive run. You played Robert Lewandowski in November of 2020. Bosnia has Edin Dzeko. Good striker, older. You played Northern Ireland. Is Will Griggs still the main striker for Northern Ireland? Bulgaria? The only Bulgarian player I can think of. Oh my god. Dimitar Berbatov. I don't know why I was blanking like that. Lithuania? Got no one. San Marino? Got <laughs> no one. 
Uh, Czech Republic, Patrick Schick. Sick. Uh, Turkey, Burak Yilmaz, 36-year-old or however old he is, Burak Yilmaz. Switzerland, Breland Bolo, Seferovic. Uh, Wales, I guess Gareth Bale's the striker. Is he technically the striker? I don't know if he is. But Romelu Lukaku is a different story. Do I go with Italy or do I go with Belgium? I'll go back to that one in a little bit. France, Spain, France. Not really thinking twice about that. Netherlands, Denmark. I think the Dutch will take the dub in that one over Denmark. Sweden, Germany. I'm going upset here. I'm going with the Swedes over the Germans. Yes, I am. Because Germany... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I had them going... I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, lost, I'm getting stressed out right now. Very stressed out. But I am going to go with the Swedes over Germany. I'm going with my gut this time. I'm going with my head, my heart, whatever. Sweden's played very, very well. They sat back against Spain and let them pass the ball around and weren't worried, really worried about Spain scoring goals. They were perfectly fine sitting back in that game. Sweden... Beats teams, or at least they beat Spain. We're trying to beat Spain, and almost did, and probably should have beaten Spain on the counterattack. Their defense is looking great. Now Germany's got some great players, but did you think those great players would draw two to two with Hungary and take an 83rd minute goal to tie with them? No, they didn't think that. Saw what they did against Portugal, and they did a completely opposite thing against Hungary. Played down to the level of their competition, almost lost. Sweden's prepared for that, in my opinion. Now, I could be completely wrong about that, but I think Sweden's got a nice little bit of momentum going right now. Hell, they could lose to Ukraine. This whole thing could get blown up if they lose to Ukraine, which is the BS part about predictions and brackets. But that's what we're going with right now. Belgium, Italy. I had Belgium in the preview, the preview at the beginning of this entire tournament. Oh, my God, I hate this. This is more stressful than the beginning one because... I didn't know anything going into the tournament. I, did, I didn't know what was going to happen. Now I know what teams have looked like and how bad some teams are and how good two teams are. Are The two best teams in this tournament to this point are arguably France, Belgium and Italy. And now they have to freaking play each other. I am going to go do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
Spain Netherlands would be a very very interesting matchup. I love Memphis Depay. My other my my other favorite national team in this Euros is the Netherlands because of Memphis Depay, Manchester United player, right player wrong time, is what the quote is going around Memphis Depay Manchester United. Great player. Watched him play up in Chicago when they played PSG in a uh, preseason friendly. Didn't work out. Shame it didn't work out because he's a great player. Now he's going to go ball for Barcelona. So I'm really excited to see what he can do there. Their goalkeeping situation's a mess. Don't really like Frank DeBoer as a manager. He's been a pretty much a mess everywhere he's gone. LA United, I'm going to put that more down to the players he had instead of how good of a manager he actually was. Yeah. there. This is basically going uh, in spite of Frank DeBoer, them going this far. Jeannie Wijnaldum's played great this tournament. Memphis Depay's looked really good. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Netherlands going to the final. I don't... Am I confident with that? No. I'm not confident with any of these things. If England wins against Germany, I think England will go to the final. If they beat Germany, I think England will go to the final. I'd like to put that out here right now. If England can beat Germany, they will make the final. If not, then Sweden will go for it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bet. It's weird. I have more confidence in Sweden against Germany than England, even though I have Germany beating England. And England, if they beat Germany, would beat Sweden, in my opinion. That's what happened in 2018. That might, might not, that might not make any sense whatsoever, but that's what my head's saying right now. That is exactly... I, I don't know. I'm really sorry. But before we end this show, so that's my predictions. France versus Netherlands in the final. Sure. We'll count that. We might make some changes before I post this on social media so I don't make a complete fool of myself so I can double check and make sure I like this 100%. Before we close out the show, I saw a thing today. Pretty big news. The NFL approved alternate helmets for teams wearing throwback uniforms starting in 2022. So I better see Josh Allen in the J.P. Lossman era Buffalo Bills uniforms. That better be a throwback option. What, arguably the worst uniform in NFL history? Other than like the Broncos, like brown and yellow thing that was bad what other bad uniforms had there been the jaguars uh what do you call that gradient helmet the or not even gradient it was just two different colors just black and gold that was awful terrible uniforms the original jaguars uniforms if you don't know what those look like go look up those ones as well those are awful what other uniforms are there that have been like really really bad I can't really think of any at the top of my head right now. But those those Bills ones, good Lord, I love those. That was such a weird era of uniforms in Buffalo. The Sabres had those black and red ones, and the Bills had those terrible navy blue and red ones that had like 18 different colors on them, all shade, different shades of blue and red. So weird. But it's nice nostalgia trip for me because I watched J.P. Lossman wear those uniforms. And Drew Bledsoe wear those uniforms. I have Drew Bledsoe sitting right in front. Well, I guess he's on my dresser behind me, but... Drew Bledsoe rocking that uniform in my room right now. Statue, not actual Drew Bledsoe. That'd be cool, though. But terrible uniforms those Bills had. The Sabres ones, I like those ones more. They're basically on the same level as the Bills ones. But Buffalo fans, actually no Buffalo fan likes those Bills ones. A lot of people like the black ones for the Sabres. I'm going to try and buy one here and get a Briere jersey, Danny Briere jersey, or a Chris Drury jersey, or Dom Hashik jersey, or Ryan Miller jersey. Thomas Vanek, get any of these players, get a black goat head Sabres uniform. I know it's not a goat head, but it looks like one, so yeah. But teams that should bring back some retro uniforms, the Patriots, the the red uniforms they have, those need to come back. Those are so much better than what they have right now. The Eagles with the Kelly Green stuff, beautiful. 
the Buccaneers one with the orange. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's a really bad era for the Buccaneers. I wouldn't be too upset if they didn't bring those ones back. What other ones are there? Seattle, they need to bring those ones back. Not a huge fan of Seattle Seahawks jerseys right now. Rams, just get the simplified version of what you have right now. The uniforms you won the Super Bowl in, wear those ones again. Just change up the stupid banana thing on your helmet. Any other jerseys I can think of off the top of my head that should have probably changed or changed for the better, I guess? No, the Dolphins, keep those ones forever. I know you, those aren't, you wear those already, but wear those jerseys and uniforms forever. You guys should know exactly what I'm talking about. The 70s Dolphins uniforms that they wear like once or twice a season, wear those ones all the time. Those ones are beautiful. Anyone else really needs to change their uniforms that badly? I, no, I don't think so. I would. Lo- I just want to see a red helmet in Buffalo again. I think those ones are cool. The Jim Kelly era ones, not the J.P. Lossman, Willis he Marshawn Lynch era Bills uniforms. Not those ones. I think it'd be hilarious to see those on a field again. But eh, I'd be I'd be fine not seeing those again at the same exact time. So that's all I've got for you today on this Logan Blackman show. This what is it Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show. Good to be back. Hope you enjoyed the show. Let's see how good my predictions are. The Euros will be kicking off in a little bit. Before we get back to reality, I guess, the Canadians and the Knights are tied at 1-1 to right now. Who have scored the goals for each team this game? It's not really showing up with anything. So the goal for the Vegas Knights, Smith. Goal for Montreal Canadiens, Shea Weber. Probably like 200-mile-an-hour slap shot. So, yeah, that's what we've got going on for you in the Logan Blackman Show. We'll be back to you on Monday. Hopefully, we don't have any, like, big surgery or anything huge, big trips planned or anything. So, we'll be back to semi-normality here in a little bit. We have that quarterback comparison thing coming up in a little bit. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, make sure you go watch the Euros. Make sure my predictions are exactly right. You'll see me post on social media sometime tomorrow or, or today, I guess. You should probably already see me post it. But, yeah. Make sure you go follow Logan Blackman Show at all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go follow Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I will see you all later. Peace.